Listen in to the forum at St. James Church. Good morning, everybody. It's 1031. We get started. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, we give you great thanks for bringing us in safety to this new day. We give you thanks for this season of Lent as we journey to the foot of the cross to behold the mystery of your deathless love for us. We pray that your spirit would be poured out on us this day as we join together in reflection on your word, that we might have eyes to see and ears to hear your presence in our lives and your call to follow you. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. On your tables, you should have um, the handout that I gave last week from uh, the Society of St. John the Evangelist called Signs of Life. If you open it up, you'll see that it includes a really helpful daily practice guide for the season of Lent with one short uh, suggestion for something you might do in each day of this season that would help you focus both on the, the topic of the week. So this, this sort of Lenten guide is structured around these kind of elemental things like light and water and food and shelter and community and how they show up in the Bible and our tradition. So it, it's, it's structured so as to help you focus both on that and on those wonderful uh, practices from the presiding bishop's way of love, which we've looked at several times in several different ways. So I commend this to you as a way to uh, observe Lent, whether you are here or anywhere else or sheltering in place due to coronavirus. <laughs> Last week, we looked at light. Uh, and I, I had at least one of you say that you felt lit up, so I'm glad to hear that. This week, we're going to look at water, so we're going to dampen that light and drown you. Um, I want you to take just one moment and turn to your neighbor for 30 seconds to introduce yourself and to share what, your, uh, what body of water has meant the most to you in your life and why. What body of water has meant the most to you and why? 30 seconds, turn to your neighbor, say hi. Okay, let's let's come back together. So I want to brainstorm together. We're thinking, of course, in each of these weeks as we talk about these symbols, about how they show up in the scriptures and how they show up in our tradition. So let's brainstorm together. Where does water show up in the Bible? Not we're not. Where does water start in the Bible? Think about the scriptures. Genesis. What what is the beginning of the story of Genesis? What's happening? There's a spirit moving over the waters. Excellent. Bringing order out of chaos, life out of nothing. You might be interested to know in the ancient Near East water in a region that floods quite dramatically, a symbol of death, right? Water, we think of as life, but in Genesis, a symbol of death. What else? Where's another story of water in the scriptures? Think a little bit later in Genesis. So we got Noah, we have a flood, death right? Um, and Noah surviving on the ark, floating above the waters. Okay, that's a great one. Moses parts, Moses parts the waters. And what, what happens when Moses parts the waters? The Israelites go free. So we have uh, a, a great story. Pharaoh's guys don't. Yeah, so we have the parting this, the sea. There's water that keeps showing up in this Moses story. Well, we'll get there. 
Oh, from the rock. So water from the rock in the wilderness, right? The people are wandering in the Judean wilderness, uh, in the wilderness of sin for for uh, 40 years, and Moses breaks open the rock and there's water. There's, wa- there's another story of water in that story of wilderness. So Moses is rescued out of a, a river, that's a good one, in a bushel basket. I'm thinking after the wandering in the wilderness. Cross the Jordan. We have another parting, right? The people of Israel get to the Jordan River. They can see the promised land. And again, God parts the waters and the people move through. And does anybody remember what Joshua tells the people to do? I was reminded of this at the bridge in Selma uh, last, uh, in January on our pilgrimage. They have a monument to this. Joshua tells the people to pick up 12 river stones, right, from the bottom of the river and to pile them on the other side as a memorial that they had been where nobody had been before at the, at the base of that river. To remember God's deliverance. How about in the Psalms? Does water turn up? Any, maybe a little more metaphorically. So 23rd Psalm, we have beside the streams of water. Yeah, that's, a, that's probably the most famous one. We'll hear next week Psalm 42, the deer thirsting for water, like as the heart desireth the water brooks. So long with my soul after thee, O God. Isaiah speaks of uh, free water and free milk and, and bread, right? Sort of the abundance of God's blessing. There's a leper who gets goes to, to wash in the river. So we have in, in Kings, right, the story of, uh, of lepers being made whole. Excellent. So lots of water showing up in the Old Testament. How about in the New Testament? I already heard baptism, right? So where does Jesus' ministry start? In the waters of that Jordan River, right? First miracles, water and wine. First miracles, water and wine. That's awesome. Other other water in Jesus' story. Tells the water to be still. So he calms storms, right? You're the woman at the well, Jacob's well, right? And and he speaks of a living water that would well up to eternal life within. So literal water. Those of you who have been on the pilgrimage to the Holy Land have drunk from that well. It's pretty awesome, but also this living water. What else? He walks on water on the sea. What else? The disciples are fishermen. They're intimately familiar with water. What else? He washes their feet. That's a good one. That's a good one. One, one more that at least stands out to me. Right on the, got water in the wine. How about at the very... At the crucifixion, right? The soldier pierces Jesus' side and water and blood come forth, which is why we mix wine and water in the chalice. So uh, how about at the very end of the Bible? We looked at the book of Revelation and those beautiful garden stories in Advent, remember? The river of life, life, right? The story of the end of the Bible is a recapitulation of the beginning, right? The people are in a garden, it's lush, and there's water. Right, there's this water of life. How about in our um, spiritual tradition? How about in our life? Where does water turn up? Baptism. Baptism's the biggest one, right? What do we, what do we notice or what, what's associated with baptism? What, what kind of language do we use around baptism? 
what, what, how do we describe it? Washed with the Holy Spirit. So washing, right? There's an image of, of being washed clean, right? That's probably uh, the most uh, evocative one, right? People think of sin as dirty and being washed clean. That's one image that's associated with baptism. There's an image of rebirth. Say more. Where, how does water get connected to birth? Because it's it's. I think you're right. You're right on the cusp of it, right? With water and the spirit. Water. Well, so we heard in the Nicodemus story that water and the spirit is is how baptism is described. But those of you who have given birth know that there's a there's a water breaking, right? So in the early church, there was a lot of talking about baptism as both a drowning. You may, you know, we, we splash water on the heads of babies, and it's cute, right? That's what people often think of as Baptist. Oh, right? Look, oh, he didn't cry today. That's so sweet. In the early church, they took you, and they dumped you under until you can't breathe, and you think you drowned. And then pull you up, gasping for breath, like a baby born from the waters of the womb suddenly realizing that the only life we have is the life of the breath of God that is breathed into us. Right? So baptism speaks a lot about death and resurrection, sharing in Christ's death and resurrection, dying to the old self, and being born again, being born anew, as we heard in the Nicodemus story. I think also on baptism, there's a level of being invited to realize you're out of control. Right? I think fundamentally on the human, the human condition is that we desire to be in control, even though we know we're not. Uh, and baptism is a surrender. Baptism is a surrender of our ego and our will into God's desire for our life. Baptism is the handing over of our life to God, that God would use us for God's purposes, that God's will would be done through us, right? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And baptism, you might think in this kind of image of water as a kind of learning to float, as a learning to float in God, on God, in grace, on grace, learning to, those of you who have ever floated, raise your hand if you've ever floated, right? <laughs> Does it work if you splash about, right? Yeah, that's called treading water. And, and you can do it for a while, but not forever, right? What does floating require? Requires, requires surrender, calm. What else? Stillness, trust. You have to trust the water to hold you, right? Um, baptism often, uh, I think, could be could be connected to that idea of learning to fall backwards into God's future, learning to trust God in that way. When you think about the scriptures, we talked about, okay, uh, this is a fire drill. Um, what we need to do uh, is you need to stand up, you need to take your things with you, you need to go up uh, the 71st Street, Exit. You need to cross over 71st Street. Don't leave your valuables with you. Take them with you. You know, fire drills are not our favorite thing to do, uh, and I appreciate your, your playing along, but it's really important. We've done them in worship, 
and we all know how to evacuate the church. But one of the things that we realized is that we've never done a fire drill during church school. And so it's really important for all the teachers and kids and youth and nursery workers to all be really clear on what to do in, in the event of an emergency. So thanks for your, for your patience on that. Um, you know, sometimes I think the uh, fire alarm and the Holy Spirit are not dissimilar things, right? They can, <laughs> they can sort of get our attention and get us moving. And I think that's a really, that's a really important thing, not to be too, too floaty, too comfortable on your water. So let's, let's try to get our minds back to where we were and thinking about these images of water. We talked a good, a good bit about baptism. Let's go back to scripture. Let's think about those places where water shows up in the Bible, because I think there's some real important themes that emerge that do connect to that sacrament of baptism. So think, for instance, about the creation story. Okay, we talked about how the spirit hovers over the face of the waters and water in that in that story is a symbol of chaos and of disorder and of death. And what does the spirit do? Brings life, right? It 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 shapes the water. It 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 directs the water. It channels the water into something useful and productive, right? Life comes from it, water being the necessary ingredient. So we have this, this dual metaphor of death and life. Think about the Exodus. What is the water before Moses parts the water? It's a barrier, right? There is, there is the promise that God has given us, and this water stands between us and the promise. And what does God do? Parts the water, which allows the people to go through, which leads to exit first, to exit slavery, and then 40 years later, to enter freedom, right? So God, in the, in the stories of uh, Genesis and Exodus, seems to be a God who brings life and freedom, right, out of death and captivity. God is the one who brings life and freedom out of death and captivity, in the Psalms, we have these images of water, or in the prophets, as the very source of life itself, and of refreshment, and of plenty, of God's indwelling, right? The idea, uh, how, what percentage of our bodies is water? 70 at something percent, right? Um, this image of, of God as the source of our being, not just of our breath, but as the very water that wells up within us that is the source of life and of abundance, of refreshment and of plenty. And so if you think about how those images connect with baptism, right? We have that, that language from Genesis of death and of life, right? Death to the old self, a new birth, a new life, a life in alignment with God. We have the language of Exodus, right? being freed from the captivity to sin and brought into the, uh, into the abundance of, of new life and the freedom of, of grace. We have some of that language from uh, the, the stories of being healed, right? Whether it's, it's name and servant or uh, in the New Testament, we have images of water uh, cleansing and of renewing, of healing our defects of washing us clean. Um, Jesus 
talks at the Last Supper about uh, that, that image as he washes his feet. And we have finally that idea of sustenance and plenty, right? The water of life welling up within us. He tells the woman at the well, Jesus does, that she can drink from that well all her life long, but it won't be the same as discovering the living water that wells up within and that will never leave her thirsty. So baptism becomes for us a water-based reminder of all those things, life out of death, freedom out of captivity, washing clean and abundance. And one of the things I want to leave you with, because we don't have much time, is this spiritual practice that asks you to think all week long about those places where God is keeping you afloat, where God is washing you clean, where God is bringing you into life or into freedom, where you feel water welling up in your life, to notice that, pay attention to that, give thanks for that. And I want to leave you with one of my favorite stories from the Reformation, which is Martin Luther. Y'all know who he is, right? Yeah. Martin Luther, the great reformer. He lived in chaotic times. We don't know anything about that. Uh, he lived in chaotic times, and he was a person who carried a good deal of anxiety in him. Um, we know about that too. Martin Luther had a practice whenever he felt anxious, whenever he felt overwhelmed by the forces at work around him, within him, the things that he couldn't see where it was going, Martin had a practice of finding water and of dipping his hands in the water and of saying, remember, Martin, that you are baptized. Remember, Martin, that you are baptized. One of the saddest things uh, to me about this coronavirus in terms of church practice changing is that many bishops are asking churches that keep water in their baptismal fonts or in uh, little stoops by the door where people do that very practice, touch that water, they're asking them to drain those fonts, which I get, right? <laughs> but we don't have to be scared of water. So in your life, as you face uncertainty, as you face anxiety, maybe take a page out of that Martin Luther practice of finding opportunities to remember your baptism that gives you life, that sets you free, that washes you clean, and that gives a source of eternal life and water that never dries up within, right? So that whatever happens out there, you know that you're held safe and afloat on the grace of God. So we'll leave you there. Take your practice. Thanks for being a good sport with the fire drill. We'll see you next week with the practice or the shared idea of food. To learn more about St. James Church, visit stjames.org. That's stjames.org.